Today I have an expert who is going to talk about how you can teach your children or explain to them reproduction. And what age do you think it's appropriate to discuss such matters? She's also going to talk about the wonderful findings from Charlotte Lozer Institute and why are so many doctors pushing prenatal genetic screening and are the tests accurate? We all know that parenting is hard work and life can get busy. We've done the research to help you. So let's dig deep with Leanne Mancini and work together to help you raise strong Christian kids. Hello and welcome back to Raising Christian Kids. Today I have Dr. Tara Sander Lee, who is the Vice President and Director of Life Sciences at the Charlotte Lozier Institute. She is a Harvard-trained scientist with academic and clinical medicine experience in pediatric disease. She has published in the medical journals and textbooks and has given expert congressional and legislative testimony, provides scientific advice for policymakers, and is a member of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Secretary's Advisory Committee on Infant and Maternal Mortality. Boy, that's a mouthful. Her Ph.D. in biochemistry is from the Medical College of Wisconsin and fellowship training in cell and molecular biology from Harvard Medical School. Before joining the Lozer Institute, she was an appointed faculty member at the Medical College of Wisconsin, Scientific Director of Molecule Diagnostics at Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, and Scientific Consultant. That is very impressive, Dr. Lee. (laughs) Thank you for the introduction. You're welcome, and I hope I didn't mess that up too badly. I'm so happy to have you on the show to talk to our audience today. So can you tell us about your work at the Charlotte Lozer Institute? Yes, absolutely. So Charlotte Lozer Institute is basically a, a research and education arm of the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. Um, so we do all science and statistics for life to really promote a deeper public understanding of the dignity of every human life from the moment of conception until natural death. And so in my, in my, you know, as you, as you said, you know, I, I come from a, a long line of being a scientist in the lab and doing research, studying pediatric disease. But now at the Charlotte Lozier Institute, we really educate, we provide, we try to educate legislators, the, the public, and really anybody that is interested in learning about the humanity of the unborn child. And we also helped policymakers understand the value and undeniable humanity of every life from the point of conception so that they know how to, so that they better understand what types of policy can help to protect the unborn child from these very early stages. Such important work. You know, we really need to have more people like you out there doing this because a lot of people are pushing for abortion. So, Mm -hmm. so important. And so why are so many doctors also pushing prenatal genetic screening? And most importantly, are the tests accurate? I want our pregnant moms to really hear this. Yeah, so this is a great question. So the, the whole point of first starting to offer genetic screening was really meant to offer a quick screen for women that were at the highest risk of carrying a child that carried 
the possibility of risk of a genetic disorder. For example, like if a woman came in and was over the age of 35, and she was considered advanced maternal age, which is kind of crazy at the age of 35. That seems so young to me. But but we know just scientifically that a woman that is over the age of 35 does just carry a natural higher risk of carrying a child with Down syndrome compared to younger women. And so the idea was to offer these quick genetic screens that would just basically take a blood sample from a pregnant mom and could, so it was no, not invasive, it could just be done during a regular blood draw. And they could quickly screen for just some of the more common like trisomy conditions that were that they saw in high-risk moms, like Down syndrome, trisomy 13 and 18. It was meant to be just a quick screen in high-risk populations. And then if there was a positive, then they would confirm it with perhaps a more invasive method. But the goal was to try to avoid those invasive methods like amniocentesis or chorionic villus sampling that really actually put the mom and the baby at a higher risk. But what's happened is that with, because it is so easy to do, companies have kind of taken advantage of this. And now medical associations are pushing these tests on all women when they're pregnant, regardless of if they're at high risk or not. And what your question is such an important one of whether they are accurate. And it's really important that pregnant moms understand that these are screens, they are not diagnostic tests. And for that reason, there is a very high risk that the test is not correct. And if anything, we find that women that are at, that we actually find that like one, that if we have a prenatal screen done, that there is actually a false positive rate of over 50% when screening pregnant women that are at low risk. That means that women that don't even have a risk of carrying a baby for like Down syndrome, there is a, a one in two chance that that baby, that that test, that that test is even, that screen is actually even going to be wrong. And so, it's, I mean, it's, you could just flip a coin and that wow. would be more accurate. And so it's, it's really kind of scary. And then when they look for more rare disorders, we find that the, the risk of having a false positive is even greater. We see in some of these tests that actually, because you can actually go onto these websites, these companies that do this, and they find that for like or, disorders such as Prader-Willi, they are only going to get the test right about 5% of the time. So 95% of the time, the result is going to be wrong. So it's just, it's really scary that these tests, these screens are, I, I hate to even call it a test, they're screens. And they are often wrong, especially when we start looking at rare disorders. Wow, that's crazy. It's like flipping a coin, like you said, and you're talking about your baby and how scary for the first time moms or any pregnant mom to hear that, I'm sure. Well, let's switch gears here a little bit because you do so much. Can you tell us about the importance of age-appropriate curriculum on reproduction and human prenatal development? How is the Charlotte Lozer Institute involved in such educated efforts? Well, you know, it's so important right now in our culture to have age-appropriate curriculum that reminds, that, that teaches these children what God's intention and design was, going back to Genesis, going back to what he says in Scripture. Science just continues to confirm what we see in Scripture. And so it's important that that curriculum is taught with a very life-affirming biblical worldview. So what we are doing is that we are currently piloting a couple of lessons 
that are based off of our website called The Voyage of Life, which is a, a, a beautiful website. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to go to voyageoflife.com that really allows people to see the humanity of the unborn child for themselves from conception up until birth. You can see videos. You can see a beating heart at six weeks, real beating heart inside the womb. You're going to understand when fingerprints are developing. So so we're we're piloting some lessons right now to be taught to elementary and middle school children using the voyageoflife.com as kind of its basis. We are also looking at collaborations with other organizations that are really engaged in this field, such as Contend Projects. I encourage parents to go to contendprojects.org. They also have a lot of resources and science lessons on the beauty of unborn life fact sheets, lessons plans, even posters for the classroom and books for elementary students just on the basics of of prenatal development. So we're, we're really looking at collaborating with various different entities that we know are very devoted and dedicated to this area because we know that educating the next generation is so important to understanding God's design for life and his and how they're created in, in his image. Well, that's great. So just so I have it, it's voyageoflife.com and contendprojects with an S.org. Correct. Okay. And we, we will have links in our show notes also for the listeners to click on to get to there. Because I'm just so, so excited. I can't wait after we end this conversation. I'm going right there to see what, <laughs> what it's all about. <laughs> so what suggestions or advice can you give mothers when they are explaining reproduction to their children? And at what age do you think it's appropriate to discuss this? I know that's a big question for a lot of moms. When do I talk to my mm-hmm. kid about sex and about yeah. reproduction? And I can tell you just as a parent myself that is raising a fifth grade boy. <laughs> These are discussions that my husband and I are constantly, and I also sit on the, I'm also the president of the school board for my son's school that is a Christian nonprofit private school. And these are questions that I'm constantly asking myself and that we're asking. I think it's really important that parents go back to Genesis to start to teach what God's intended design is for mankind. I encourage them to use accurate scientific terminology from the very beginning to ex- explain that, you know, God designed us to be unique as, as either a girl or a boy, as a man or a woman, and to explain from a biblical worldview that even as early as elementary, how God, you know, created us to be different as boys and girls. You can start using, you know, very, you know, simple, accurate terminology to describe anatomy and body parts and reproductive organ- organs. But then as you get into maybe like third and fourth and fifth grade, I think that's when you can kind of start getting more detailed as far as, you know, how God created us as as two separate, you know, genders, boy and girl, and how those changes are going to occur during puberty for both males and females. And that our identity was known to God even before we were conceived and born. And then how we're going to celebrate and marvel the work that God did in creating us as unique, either male or female. I know in our school, we decided that at fifth grade, that's where you start to discuss just the basics of how how men and women do reproduce, you know, the reproductive organs that God gave them, but always going back to the biblical worldview and what God's intended design was. And then, you know, getting into more sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, I think that's where you can you can start bringing in some of these really complex kind of issues that we're dealing with in culture 
about what they might be seeing because they're inundated with this all of the time. And so if so pointing out, you know, what they might see in culture, but then taking them back to but what is God's intended design again? Yes, you know, I always think too that as a parent, you might want to be one step ahead, maybe before they ask you. Because right. if they're asking you, that means they've heard some information already. And that's the first information they heard about this situation or about sex. And that's what's imprinted in their minds when they first right. hear about it. So I think if you can be a step ahead and talk to, to young children, I remember when my children were preteens, you know, they knew about sex already. We had talked to them about that. But I also brought up graphic color pictures of diseases and talked with them and showed them what does it look like to see someone who has syphilis or gonorrhea or AIDS. And to this day, they said, Mom, that was one of the best deterrent you could have given me to not to go out to have, Hmm. you know, premarital sex or or anything. When when teenagers now, it's like sex is like just hooking up. Right. And and it's even in the Christian schools. It's not just the public schools. And I think and that's in teaching abstinence that abstinence is really you know, that's, that's the, the only way that to prevent pregnancy before marriage, which is, you know, and that's, and that's really God's design and to really talk about that and what that means. I think that's really important for, for kids to understand and that realizing that their identity is in Christ. They don't get to choose their identity, right? God created them exactly how he wanted them to be. Because I think that's where there's so much confusion right now with the gender roles and that people can just decide whether they want to be a girl or a boy. It's like, no, God created you to be a girl or a boy because he knew that that was the best plan for his plan in your life and for his glory. And also, I think, make sure your children understand that they can't always trust their feelings. Feelings can be very deceptive. I have a friend who was tomboy all the way when she was growing up. And at, t- at one time she thought to herself, maybe I was a boy, maybe I'm supposed to be a boy. And of course, she's so happy that her parents didn't react or act upon that. And she's a loving mother, grandmother now. So just make sure the kids understand that feelings can be deceptive and right. just you know work with them and, and pray with them. Well, thank you, Dr. Lee, for being on the show. Thank you so much. It was really a pleasure. And this is how we all work together to raise strong Christian kids. Thank you for listening to this episode that can now be heard on the Edify app.